Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. That was President Biden earlier today rejecting Ukraine or rejecting Ukrainian requests for U.S. fighter jets. However, Politico is reporting that en route to New York today, the president told reporters he would talk to Zelensky. And other reports say that the Pentagon officials are quietly pushing for F-16 fighter jets to go to Ukraine ahead of a springtime offensive. So we're hearing both sides of the same issue from the same general mouthpiece. Is there a possibility the U.S. could send F-16s to Ukraine? And would that spark a larger conflict? Right. And it's kind of interesting because off the air earlier in the newsroom, this launched a conversation, right? So we were discussing... And I don't know, Marty, like I'm a Cold War child, right? Like I grew up when you hid under your desk to practice like mm-hmm. civil defense drills. And I just feel because like. Because that piece of wood was going to save us from. No, I think blast. so. They knew where you were <laughs> right after when they Probably. come looking. Right. So, yeah. But the answer basically was, I think Russia is invading. We are supposed to respond. Very different answer from the young people around me who were like, if we send jets, does that right? It's going to be World War Three and we should be avoiding that at all costs. I felt very old in the yeah. conversation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a it's not one that has an easy answer, right? right. Because right. There, there's certainly a generation that says, hey, I've, I've seen this pulled into a lot of wars throughout my life. Like, I'm going to guess a lot of those folks, I, I saw a lot of the folks around you in, in the newsroom and that yeah. age group is, you know, they were probably born around 9-11, give right. or take. And so the country's been at war in some form or another for most of their lives, and they, you know, see that differently than people who maybe grew up in a uh, when World War II was not such a distant reminder and you right. were into the heart of the Cold War. Right. So we've got with us Paul McLeary, who is a defense reporter for Politico, to help us figure this all out. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. OK, so the top of this segment, we had kind of weird sound and it sounds like Biden saying no. <laughs> like So that maybe we can say that's where the administration stands on sending fighter jets to Ukraine. But is that true? Do you have more information? Yeah, for the moment, that's that's what the White House, that's their stance, right? I mean, it was, it's hard to hear he's walking out to his helicopter. So he was asked very directly if the U.S. would send uh, F-16s to Ukraine. He leaned in and said no, and then walked away. Um, it, it, this is, you know, we, we've gone through this several times now. We just went through this with Abrams tanks and the German Leopard tanks, right? There's a no before and a yes. F-16s might be a little bit different uh, just because they are more difficult to maintain. Um, and there are, there's been some issues with the uh, with Lockheed Martin supplying all the spare parts and things like that to keep the ones that were flying operational 
Slovakia was supposed to get a few last year and, and is pushed back a year. Taiwan is going to get several dozen of these aircraft over the next few years. So it's a pretty hot production line. So most likely, if it were to happen at any time soon, it would again be like the Leopard deal, where a coalition of European countries who operate the F-16 would get together and each donate a few with spare parts, et cetera, things like that. So that, that was Germany's big hang-up with Leopard tanks. That they didn't want to be the first to send it. Poland stepped in, got together Finland, Spain, a few other countries, and, and, and they sent the tanks. So um, the F-16s are not going to arrive anytime soon. There has been a bit of a push in the Pentagon to really work through the issue and at least study it and try to figure it out. But I don't think there's going to be a decision very soon, and the White House is definitely not, not ready to do this just yet. So the White House's position is no, and the president put that pretty simply. But we also mentioned there in the opening that the, there are some within the Pentagon pushing to say maybe not so much no, maybe, 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 maybe yes, or whatever they may be <laughs> putting that toward. And, and, you know, you get that a little bit as, as both as the White House will kind of test out public opinion on things and, you sure. know, you might get that kind of posture from the Pentagon more so than the White House anyway. So I guess the question, why is there support growing within the Pentagon? What would be their argument for sending the F-16s? And, and why is that potentially a, a good fit from their perspective? Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, there's not a lot of air combat, really any air combat happening in Ukraine right now, as there was in the beginning of the war. Um, what the F-16s could do to help is help with air defense. Right? You can equip them with, with air-to-air missiles so they could shoot down some of these um, Iranian drones that the Russians have purchased that are flying into civilian infrastructure and apartment buildings in in Kiev and other cities. Um, They could also target um, Russian air defenses in Crimea, Russian supply depots, things like that. Um, But then you get into the Crimea discussion, which is a whole other ball of wax, right? The Russians have occupied Crimea since 2014. It's bristling with pretty modern air defense systems that could target F-16s and and probably hit F-16s. And I think that there's definitely a sensitivity um, in the government, in the United States and elsewhere in Europe, that if you start seeing F-16s being shot down, that's a a bad look. No one one wants that to happen. Um, And then there's the issue of fighting over Crimea. Ukrainians say Crimea is Ukrainian, which they're right. The United States and allies say Crimea, Crimea is Ukrainian. But it's more difficult. That's going to be a really hard nut for the Ukrainians to crack and try to take Crimea back. So it wouldn't escalate the war, but to push the war in a new direction, probably, on some level. I mean, they're not going to get 500 F-16s, even if they, if they get any. It'll, it'll be a, a handful. All right. So talk to me about where does Congress stand on all of this, or is the Biden administration 
you know, kind of pretty much an independent actor or does he need Congress to agree? And if they need it, where do they stand on it? No, they don't need the Congress to agree. I mean, the U.S. could decide to do it. Or if other countries who operate F-16s, if they wanted to do it, they would need American approval, right? That would be the State Department and the White House. I and mean, the White House makes the decision. Uh, Congress, there hasn't been a lot of talk yet. I know uh, Senator Jeanine Shaheen on the Senate Armed Services Committee, she said today that she would support F-16s going to to uh, to Ukraine. She's a Democrat. And then the ranking member, another Democrat, on the House Armed Services Committee, um, Adam Smith said, you know, maybe someday, but he doesn't think that they're on the top of the list of what Ukraine needs right now. Um, so there's going to be a lot of differing opinions on the Hill, uh, but it's, it's the president's decision in the end. So many Ukraine, Ukrainian pilots have already trained uh, on U.S. fighter jets. Does that are they are they ready to like if you give them F-16s, I presume if we're talking about those, they're ready to go out and uh, or at least could be force ready relatively on a, on a relatively short basis. It would take a few months. Yeah, uh, there's been for a small handful. I mean, the Ukrainians, I've been told by Ukrainian sources, have identified a group of pilots who could be trained on F-16s. It would take a few months. Um, the California National Guard in particular over the last several years has done some very, very, very introductory, introductory training with the Ukrainians on it. But they, the Ukrainian pilots wouldn't be able to sit in the plane now and do it. It, it would take a while. Um, so the Ukrainians are trying to get creative. I, there is some talk of them trying to contract with private companies in the United States who have test pilots who have flown F-16s to, to do some of this training. But none of that's been finalized yet, and I think that would still need U.S. government approval in some way. So the Ukrainians could do it. Um, they're advanced fighter planes, but they're um, technically adept. You know, they're good pilots, so they could do it. But that would take – even after they got there, it would take a few months. So it's, it wouldn't be anything – that would happen before, you know, late spring, even if they arrived right now, which right now it doesn't really look like they're going to. I and mean, even the Polish government is very forward-leaning on all this, said today that um, they won't send their F-16s unless other countries agree to send their F-16s. But if that happened, then they'd be willing to do it. So there's going to have to be a lot of talk within NATO uh, before anything happens. All right, Paul. Um, Paul McCleary, mm-hmm. defense reporter for Politico. I've got like 10 seconds left for you to tell me if sending F-16 would cross a line for Putin and start World War III. I'm not in the Kremlin. I don't know. <laughs> I would say probably not. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the Ukrainians have, 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 sunk a, <laughs> have sunk a Russian cruiser. You know, they shot down a lot of airplanes and it hasn't caused, caused World War III yet. All right. Thank you so much for being with us today. Always tough when it ends with a yet. That's right, (laughs) yet. So coming up, the Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates yet again in February. Let's talk about how it's going to impact us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.